So this is Sunday four in our series on the life of King David, or David, and I want to thank Brandon Buller for his uh, filling in for me last week, he did a, a great job, uh, his wife is courageous, and uh, thank you Nelly for sharing your, uh, a bit of your story, and uh, you know we all are in caves at some point in time in our life, and I don't know where you are, you might be in one today, uh, you may be in a, a, a wonderful place, but we need to be ready and we need to know that uh, the Lord is faithful, as David reminds us over and over and over again in the Psalms and, and in First and Second Samuel as we, we read those. As I begin the message this morning, I want to do just a quick uh, name that tune. So uh, Roy's going to play the first a couple seconds of a song, and I just want to see if you, if you recognize it. So, so song number one. Okay, that was, that was too much and it wasn't loud enough, but... Um, what? What'd you say, Garrett? Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the tagline there, of course, is you want to go where everybody knows your name. And, and we would hope and expect that church on a Sunday morning would be that place, though it's not always true. You know, we're all imperfect and, and sometimes that's a struggle for us. But, uh, you know, we, we do want to go where everybody knows our name. The second one is this. Just play, I mean, just Yeah, you people watch way too much old TV. Um, yes, that, that is the theme song for Friends. Uh, not, not honestly a show that I would recommend everybody watch, although I know a lot of people have watched every episode many times. I gave it a shot. Couldn't do it. Um, anyway, uh, another song? Just seriously, just... Yeah, right. Isn't it amazing? You've got a friend in me. Uh, Toy Story, right? Who didn't, you know, shed a tear when uh, poor what's his name? I don't even. Woody. Yeah, thank you. I man, I haven't had kids at home in a long time, so give me a little bit of a break here. You know, poor guy's got a snake in his boot, and you know somebody poisoned the water hole, and. Okay, one last one, and if you get this one even after five seconds, I will be surprised. Friends. Nope, not friends. Play a little bit more. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not sad that you're not getting this one. Play it a little bit more. Play till the singer starts singing, and then they'll get at least who the singer is, probably. Okay, stop it right there. Anybody know who the singer is? Yeah, right, it's so far in, the, in history. That's Hannah Montana. Right back in her pure, you know, um, child days. Uh, True Friend is the name of the song. Uh, lots of songs out there, lots of information out there, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it, about friendship about having a friend. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine and 10. Roy's gonna put it up here. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. This is the wisest man to ever live, tells us this. And we have all lived it. 
Uh, I'm sure many, many, many of us have been in a place where we felt like we didn't have a friend or there wasn't somebody that that we could just call. Uh, An unknown author said this, many people will walk in and out of your life, but only true friends will leave footprints in your heart. Uh, True friends are good to have. Friends, Anne Verville says, are our truest treasures. How many times have they made us laugh when we felt like crying over a bad mistake, made us feel loved when our boyfriends or girlfriends broke up with us, gave us the courage to go back to school or to change careers, like armor, good friends make us almost invincible, capable of warding off the blows life occasionally deals us. Because of their steadfastness, we see setbacks for what they are, temporary. Uh, I sat on the deck of a good friend several, many, many years ago, actually, in, in one of the darkest times in my life, and, uh, and one of the things that he said was, David, this too shall soon pass. And I'm not sure if you want to hear that in that moment, but it was comforting to me in that moment to be reminded by a good friend that, that, that this isn't forever, that God can take this situation He can heal it, he can restore it, whatever that looks like on the other side, and you can trust him that he will do that. Friends accept us for who we are. Uh, We gain the confidence to dream great dreams with our friends and to make them real. Friends liven up our days with their twisted humor, their honest answers, and their ability to bear our gloating when we beat them at golf. Right? Yeah, yeah. I can tell who the competitive people are out there. Uh, We can even trust them with our most embarrassing secrets. What a relief it is for us to reveal our true selves to someone. And it's, it's no wonder then that medical researchers have found that those who have friends tend to be happier, healthier, and live longer than those who do not. In fact, Friendship has numerous physical and spiritual benefits. According to research studies, our brains are programmed to receive unexpected rewards and pleasures, and friendship is the foundation of many of those unexpected pleasures, such as a spontaneous game of racquetball or or disc disc golf, a a spur-of-the-moment decision to see a movie, an outpouring of praise for something that you did well. According to a website called realage.com, a long-term loving relationship can reduce a person's real age by as many as six and a half years. And I don't think such a statistic should be taken lightly. It's true. Uh, A study by McClelland and fellow Harvard researchers concluded that once people establish what they refer to as an affiliative connection, essentially a relationship with friendship and love or other positive bonding, they feel emotions that positively affect their immune systems. Further studies by others at Harvard seem to confirm this conclusion. And there's a growing body of research that, that confirms that having compassionate friends is, a beneficial, is beneficial for our psychological and spiritual well-being and for our physical health. So one can say that a healthy lifestyle includes not only eating well and exercising and avoiding other bad habits, but also having a circle of friends. 
Having a strong social network is linked to lower mortality rates for both healthy and unhealthy people, including those with heart disease and some types of cancer. In fact, in certain cases, terminal illness, with terminal illness, having close friends is associated with longer survival rates. And I would suggest that uh, having close friends who are Christians and believers who are praying with you and gathering others to pray with you through that also is what causes longer survival rates. I neglected, and I'm sorry if you're watching this morning, Liz, but Liz Ryle's dad is, is continuing to experience more and more and more pain with his battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, they have been given uh, many, many blessings over the last couple months with her dad. Things that her dad got to see, the adoption and, and things. Um, but, but the journey's getting harder and, and Liz is going back to work and trying to juggle a family and, and caring and being there for her dad. So please, please continue to pray for her. But she, she has said many times, I believe, and my dad, her dad has said the same thing. The life that he's been, the extra life that he's been given is because there are so many people out there faithfully praying for them. And, and, and you add to that the support uh, system of all of those friends. And it does exactly what we're talking about here. Um, research has found that not only, that, that friendship not only benefits us, but that the lack of it harms us. Um, those who have no friends or, or close ties seem to suffer the most from loneliness, social isolation, and feelings of worthlessness. These, uh, with such feelings, feel great stress, and stress contrib contributes to a variety of health disorders, uh, heart attacks, asthma, certain types of cancer, diabetes, headaches, and, and even the common cold. And then, and then you take... Uh, and you think about where our culture is today and what we've endured in the last year and a half and the loneliness that's out there and how the pandemic has, has created or, or uh, sort of uh, emboldened the enemy to cause that in, in a lot of people, uh, the suicide rate has gone up. Why? Because, because of isolation, because of loneliness, because of all of that. Um, today in our passage, we're going to find five uh, important points concerning friendship. Five things that are important for each of us to consider as we seek to, number one, find that important friendship relationship and also to be that important friend, to be that person for another person. Uh, if you would turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18, it's in the beginning of the Old Testament, uh, towards the beginning uh, I want to first set the scene. For those who have kind of missed, we've talked about several aspects of King David's life. Uh, where we come to today, David has been, he's been anointed by Samuel. Uh, he's been called into to Saul's service to, to play music for him, to, to give him comfort in times of torment by an evil spirit. Uh, Saul then asks Jesse, David's dad, if David could just stay. Uh, you see, David's young at this point. He's probably not even in his 20s. Uh, and and uh, King Saul asks if David could stay. And then when the Israelite army is sent off to war, Jesse, David's son, sends him to check on his older brothers to bring them food and to return with a report. And David goes and, and then one of the most well-known stories in all of scripture happens. Uh, David faces Goliath and with God's help, he defeats him. 
And then Saul has this lapse in memory. We're, we're not sure why Saul doesn't recognize David in the midst of this, this experience, but he doesn't. Um, maybe it's his mental instability confusing him, or maybe since David was now to marry Saul's daughter, um, uh, Saul is, I don't know, freaking out about that. I, I kind of freaked out about that when my oldest daughter was going to get married. Um, the fact is that Saul doesn't allow David to return to his father, Jesse. David is now in Saul's court. First Samuel 18, uh, beginning in verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Jonathan is King Saul's son. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So I, I can't tell, and, and Brandon last week mentioned this, we're, we're not exactly sure how old David is at this point, but he's old enough that he is now being successful as, uh, as a commander leading a great army. And the first point and observation I want to make this morning is that friendship is sacrificial. Friendship is sacrificial. Jonathan knew David, uh, obviously, he was around the palace. Often, he lives there. And, and here we have an official description of their relationship. Jonathan becomes one in spirit with David. Jonathan, uh, they're like two peas in a pod. He loved David as he loved himself. But Jonathan did more than just text him and say, hey, you're my BFF. And I'm not sure we get the full uh, impact of what Jonathan does. Jonathan is the son of a king who one would assume is next in line to be king. Yet Jonathan uh, probably knows at this point, I, I'm not sure uh, what everybody knows at this point. Um, David's family obviously knows that he's been anointed to be king, but I'm not sure how well known that is yet. Uh, but Jonathan gives him all of the things, that, gives him all of the symbols of him being the one who is going to follow up the king and come later. His robe, his sword, his bow, all of those things that would be associated with him being the son of a king, he gives to David. What a sacrificial and incredible act of love and loyalty and faith. But it doesn't stop there. Jonathan, as the son of Saul, um, he also begins to protect David. Um, he, he continues to, to uh, sacrifice deep for his relationship with David. Um, S.G. DeGraff says, the deed on Jonathan's part was an act of faith. Only faith makes us willing to be the lesser. Faith causes us to surrender the rights we pretend to have over and against the Christ who is truly Israel's king. Let me read that again because that's a powerful statement. Faith causes us to surrender our rights that we pretend to have over and against the Christ who is truly Israel's king. Jesus is king. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has all things. And, and we are better if we just 
get on our knees and surrender to him as the Lord of our life and, and follow him. He won't lead us astray. He, he, won't, uh, he won't hurt us, although there are things that he allows in, us, in, in our life that, that will be painful. But they will always be for our better, uh, maybe to draw us closer to him once again because we've strayed off the beaten path or for whatever reason. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Friendship is sacrificial and we'll see later that, that, um, that Jesus himself is a friend and sacrificed greatly for us. In addition to my wife, uh, I had a friend in my life that sacrificed for me a, a great deal, and it was my dad. Uh, some might say that it was a relationship of obligation, that he did things for me and provided for me because he was, just simply because he was my dad. But as I continue to develop and, and grow and walk the road of life with adult children, I find that it's not out of obligation that I ever help my children. It's because I love them deeply. And the older they get and, and the, the more we walk the road of life together, the deeper that friendship grows. So question for you, do you, do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Friendship is valuable. Friendship is sacrificial. The second point concerning friendship this morning is that friendship is destroyed by jealousy. I know this is a negative one. I tried to stay away from negative ones. But, but we need to recognize this. Saul liked David. He liked him a great, he loved David. But something happens. Uh, whatever Saul sent David to do, he did it successfully. In fact, Saul was pleased to give him high rank in his army. And the people were pleased with David having high rank. And, and the officers were pleased having David in the place. And, and David's success was from God. Let's not forget that fact. But now David starts getting some press. He starts to get some popularity. In uh, verse 6, when the men were returning home, this is uh, 1 Samuel 18, after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang this. Saul has slain his thousands. Woohoo! right? Saul's like, yeah, that's great. And David his tens of thousands. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think Saul liked that too much. See, Saul was king. He wanted all the press. He wanted all of the good words to come to him. But something very common to all of us begins to raise in our head and in our hearts when this happens, uh, uh, pride. Our pride begins to set in and, and that, how dare you uh, get more praise than me because I have worked so hard for this. Our pride then begins to uh, fuel jealousy. That's what happens to Saul. He begins to be jealous of David and his jealousy is so destructive. Jealousy in anyone is so destructive. It was behind the ridicule and martyrdom of the apostles Jealousy was a major factor in the religious leaders' drive to kill Jesus. 
And I want you to uh, think about this question. Has jealousy reared its ugly head in your relationship with your friends? Um, Maybe you're there right now and, and this message this morning is for you. Maybe it's affecting your marriage. Maybe it's even causing a problem in your relationship with your children. Now, this seems like a small, pretty crazy, funny uh, story, but I remember when our children were little and we were at McDonald's one day, and one of my children reached over to take one of my French fries. I'm sorry, no way. I was like, you eat your own French fries. Now, what kind of a dad is that, right? But that could have been, and, and of course, my loving wife said, give him your French fries, David. <laughs> now, I, I tell this about McDonald's and French fries, but this happened lots of times. I mean, um, it, it's, and, and that was a, a sign to me. Okay, David, this could be a problem. If you're like this with French fries, you know, What's coming down the pike? So, so there became some serious soul searching at that time. But um, maybe this pride and this jealousy is causing a problem in your relationship with your children or your spouse. You know what? If it is, be aware of it. Uh, know that God has, has pinpointed that this morning. And, and you know what? You, like, like I had to, you need to give it up. Uh, you need to surrender that pride and give up the rights that you are holding on to. Uh, when we humble ourselves before God and we seek him first, that will right the friendship. That will set you on a trajectory to then, uh, for that, that friendship to, to, to be restored or corrected or maybe even ended depending on what kind of friendship it is. Uh, we need to repent of our jealousy and our pride and our selfishness. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, well, so let me ask that. Do you have a friend like that who is prideful and jealous? Are you a friend like that? We need to take stock in what the Lord points out to us. The third point concerning friendship this morning is that friendship is valuable. Friendship is highly valuable. Flip over to chapter 19 if it's on the next page. Saul told his son, Jonathan, and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you and what he has done has benefited you greatly. Come on, Saul, have some sanity here. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel and you saw it and you were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul and David was with Saul as before. Jonathan goes to bat for David, even to his own father who is the king of the nation. Uh, Jonathan really risks his own life 
in this situation. And time again, as he goes to his father to plead for David, uh, he doesn't do it with lies or, or manipulation to, to his father. He does it with, with truth. And, and it's a valuable thing when we have someone in our life that really knows us and is willing to stand up for us or is willing to walk alongside of us when we, when we need it. Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Friendship is valuable. The fourth point this morning concerning friendship is that friendship survives mistrust. Friendship survives mistrust. There were two elderly ladies. They had been friends for decades. Uh, lived life together over the years. They had shared all kinds of activities and adventures. And lately their activities had been limited to meeting two or three times a week and, and playing cards. And they were playing cards one day and one looked at the other across the table and she said, now, now don't get mad at me. I, I know we've been friends for a long, long time, but I just can't think of your name. I, I've thought and thought, but I can't remember uh, it. Please tell me what your name is. And the other lady sitting across the street or across the table just stared at her and, and glared at her. One minute goes by, two minutes goes by, staring. Three minutes goes by, staring. Finally, she says, how soon do you need to know? You see, none of us are perfect, right? I mean, and I get if there's a track record, a long, long, long track record of mistrust, but mistakes happen and, and we do dumb things. And true friendship uh, will survive mistrust. Look at uh, chapter 20, verses eight through 17. As for you, Show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? David is, is having a moment of mistrust here. He's not sure whether he can believe Jonathan or not. Is, is Jonathan really being faithful to his relationship with David, or is Jonathan being faithful to his relationship with his father? Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went, they went there together. Then Jonathan said to David, by the Lord, the God of Israel, I will surely sound out my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away safely. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying may the Lord call David's enemies to account and Jonathan and David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself they, they made this covenant early on in their relationship 
And that word covenant is, is steeped in symbolism. When you made a covenant with someone, you would t- actually take a dove or, or multiple doves and you would cut them in half and you would put one half of the animals on this side and you would put the other half of the animals on this side and you would walk through the middle of them signifying that unto death you will uphold the covenant you have made with this other person. David, even amidst that first initial covenant, has an episode of mistrust. And did Jonathan, did, did Jonathan just throw up his hands and say, well, fine. You know, I'm out of here. Uh, this relationship isn't worth it. No, he didn't. He fought for that friendship. And what Jonathan was doing for David just wasn't done. Even in David's own household with his own children, sacrificing for someone else so that they could be king didn't happen. And, and I'm sure that contributed to Saul's anger towards his own son. But, but Jonathan's commitment to David survived this moment of mistrust. Uh, he presses on and reassures David that he was with him. And then they reaffirm their oath. Not out of guilt, not out of a guilt trip. Because we've been there, right? Uh, a friend doesn't trust us or something and then we just lay out this huge old guilt trip on them to try and, get to, to try and sway them or get them to come our way. That's not, what, that's not what happens here. There's truth to be told here. Love. Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Finally, the fifth point concerning friendship this morning is this. Friendship helps us hold to our principles. 1 Samuel 23, so flip, continue to flip through 1 Samuel to chapter 23. Starting in verse 15, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. I guess Saul had a going back on his agreement with his son. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. When we try to go at life alone, we will find ourselves in a dark, cold, musty cave. That's the enemy's goal. His goal is to separate you from the flock, to separate you from the congregation, to get you out there on an island by yourself, super vulnerable to all sorts of things, temptations, weird ideas, bad theology. That's what his goal is. But a true friend, true friendship, a friend like Jonathan will come alongside of us and keep us going. And, and I'm not just talking about warm, fuzzy, sort of encouraging kind of things, although those are certainly nice and a part of friendship. I'm talking about also some tough words if necessary. Maybe even in the form of correction. 
Uh, And in this case, Jonathan was giving David some godly truth. Uh, Jesus says this in John 15, 12 through 14. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We turn our back, spit on him, do our own thing, act selfishly and pridefully and arrogantly, and yet Jesus continues to say, come unto me, come unto me, I love you. My my grace is sufficient for you. I don't care how hard or difficult life is, my grace, Jesus says, is enough. Just rest in me. Take my yoke upon you. I don't know if this is exactly how this, this uh, verse, that verse when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, uh, for my burden is light, but I, I listened to a, a, a pastor talk about that verse this last week, and he's, he said essentially, if, if you think of a, a team of oxen, you know, and there's this big heavy yoke that you put on the oxen and they do whatever work, they pull the plow or whatever, that if you only had one oxen with the yoke, that, that yoke is going to be heavy. But if there's two side by side, that yoke becomes lighter to, to them both. And, and he said, that's, that's, what this, that's what Jesus was talking about. I, I've heard others, but, but uh, just thinking about friendship and, and the verse in Ecclesiastes that I began with, that totally makes sense, right? Uh, life is easier. Life is more, it, it, more joy-filled and more peace-filled when we are allowing Jesus to take the bulk of the yoke. In fact, there are times when he's probably completely and totally carrying us and we just don't realize it. And that's what a true friend will do. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. He laid his life down for us. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sin. And when we surrender our life to him, when we trust him as our savior, he purifies us uh, from all unrighteousness and gives us eternal life. Jonathan and David's relationship was based on their shared commitment to God and to the future of God's people. That has to be the foundation of the friendship. Really, that has to be our foundation with all relationships. Otherwise, we will default to ourselves selfishly. And and, and we all do, and we have to back up, and we have to get on our knees before the Lord, and we have to repent and start over again. But we all, and we always have to go back to that place. But, but their, their relationship, their mutual friendship was also based on interests and attitudes. Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Idaho businessman Don Bennett was the first amputee to climb to the summit of Mount Rainier. Amputee mountain climbing. Put that in your head. That's 14,410 feet on one leg and two crutches. During a difficult portion of the climb, Bennett and his team had to cross an ice field. 
And to get it across an ice field, the climbers put crampons on their shoes, their, their steel treads essentially, so that they can bite the ice and they don't slip and fall. But unfortunately, with only one crampon boot and two crutches, the only way Bennett could figure to get across the ice field was to fall face forward onto the ice, pull himself as far as he could, stand up and do that again. On this particular climb, his teenage daughter, Kathy, happened to be with him. And she saw what was happening to her dad. And Bennett's daughter stayed by his side through the entire four-hour struggle. She shouted in his ear, you can do it, dad. You're the best dad in the world. You can do it. We need friends like that. When life gets tough and hard and difficult, they walk along with us and they encourage us. That's what Kathy did, that's friendship. Her, her belief in her father and her verbal encouragement touched a place deep within Bennett, strengthening his resolve and his commitment. Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Friendship is sacrificial. Friendship is destroyed by jealousy. It is valuable. Uh, it survives mistrust and friendship helps us hold to our principles. Now, before we close this morning, I want to emphasize one more important aspect of friendship. And I know this, this is six, and I said five. This is just an observation that I didn't think that we could leave here this morning without making. It's a no-brainer, and it's this. We must choose our friends wisely. especially in a world where wrong is becoming right and right is becoming wrong, we must choose our friends wisely. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 13, 1 through 6, I'm just going to read for you uh, a couple of those verses, uh, and they're going to be up here on the screen. Now, it was after this, Lots of history in the meantime that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. Amnon, Amnon wanted his sister, not just in his home, but in his bed. He's struggling with this. Amnon needs a friend. Amnon needs somebody to say, dude, I don't care what it takes, but we need to shut this down. This is not right. This is not good. He needs someone to get his mind back on the things of the Lord and off the evil trail that he is on. The next verse says this, verse three. But Amnon had a friend. Think about those words. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. It's good that he has a friend, right? Not this one. But Amnon had a friend. In fact, the rest of the text goes on, and you can, I guess, look it up later if you want to read the thing. Jonadab comes up with this huge plan for Amnon to get his sister in bed. 
He says, you're gonna do this and you're gonna fake being sick and, and you're gonna tell your dad that you need your sister to come prepare you a meal before you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he does exactly that and he goes through it and he rapes his sister. But Amnon had a friend. We must choose our friends wisely. The fallout, of course, to this entire family is devastating and goes on for years. Just like the fallout of David's sin with Bathsheba. God said that the sword will never leave your house and we see chapter after chapter after chapter of death and killing and destruction in the family of David. We need to be sure that our friends are true friends, that our friends also hold to the truth of scripture, that, that our friends will not just tell us what we wanna hear when we wanna hear it, but, but they will call us on the carpet and say, hey, that's not what the Bible says. Instead of just do whatever you wanna do, be whatever you wanna be. I mean, maybe God probably created you that way, right? Have we not, are we not hearing that message? What does God's word say and what does a true friend do? True friends support and love and care and they tell the truth. Now, life is hard, but we don't have to go it alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word to us this morning and thank you that you give us friends. And Father, sometimes we go through life when we maybe move to a new place or uh, we take on a new job or whatever and, and we find ourselves alone and maybe feel like we're starting over. I, I pray, Father, that you, would, that you would help us to not make shortcuts in life in an effort to find a friend. Help us to not just do the popular thing at school or at work or whatever because we think it might in help us to be included, help us to stay true to your word, but Lord, help us to be a good friend and I pray that for each one of us here today that, that you would help us to work through those times of mistrust and, and, and that you would help us to forgive and, and not be jealous and prideful and I, I kind of feel like this is true at any point in our life, but Lord, in the place that our world is at today, if we ever needed friends and, and a, a, a support structure around us, it's now. May we be that for others. True to your word. And now, Father, as we close our service with a couple songs focusing on you and worshiping you, help us to... to to internalize some of the things that you've taught us here this morning and may we not forget them as soon as we walk out the door and I pray that, that you would multiply the, 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 our, our tithes and our offerings that we make as we leave and strengthen us, Father, to be that kind of friend. In Jesus' name, amen.